Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host Hattie Butterworth. I'm a cellist and writer in my final year at the Royal College of Music in London, and I think we need a new way of talking. I've spent many, many years feeling in the dark about issues in the classical music profession. So often it can feel like you're the only person struggling with anxiety, depression, career doubts, money, injuries, and so much more. Who do we go to when we feel we've had enough, for whatever reason? Join me and guests as we end the stigma with honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a really lovely week. Um, So today I am talking to my wonderful friend and duo partner, the pianist Jasmine Allpress. Um, So I've known Jasmine for a very, like a few years now, and we've been through a lot of ups and downs um, musically and personally. But today we're going to be very brave and admit to you and each other our four biggest ever failures because there have been quite a few that I'll be honest I've either downplayed or lied about to people and not gone there um, just because the shame around failure is so big in our profession and many many professions but it's definitely something that we avoid talking about. So I really hope you enjoy the episode and please remember to follow us on Instagram at tmdta podcast. Hello, Jasmine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, that's an absolutely no problem. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. How's your lockdown going so far? My my lockdown is actually fine. It's been a bit weird. I think as a pianist, not having a, a nice piano is has been a bit of a struggle. I literally wrote on my sheet of paper, how was the lack of concerts slash piano? Because <laughs> I know that like your little upright is probably not cutting it, is it? <laughs> it's so out of tune. It, sounds, it does sound a little bit like a pub piano. But then, you know what, so many people are in the same position and some people don't even have pianos. So I am Look lucky. Look at that. Look at you. Always the optimist. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, so I think maybe we should probably explain who you are. Because <laughs> be I think nice. a lot of people are like, who is this woman? Uh, so Jasmine and I, I feel like I should explain you. I don't need to ask you to explain yourself. So Jasmine... Yeah, you, you go. Okay, Jasmine and I met when we were 16 um, at, Royal, at, at Royal... No, not at the Royal College of Music. At Cheatham School of Music in Manchester, where we both started for sixth form. Since then, I think we just realised that we had a lot in common... We both loved music, but simultaneously got annoyed at the same things, I feel like. And you were very good at, like, keeping yeah. me sane and showing me when I was being an idiot. So Likewise. Well, yeah. maybe that's why it's continued. So then I feel like we've also bonded because we've had a lot of failures. So... Oh, a lovely smooth transition. Exactly. I felt kind of bad because I literally asked Jasmine, like, do you want to come on the podcast and talk about all of your failures? And it must have sounded like you're the one friend I know that's failed. <laughs> I felt really bad. I was like, actually, I probably <laughs> phrased that really wrong. Probably sounded awful. No, I felt completely flattered. I thought, you know what? If anyone's got a lot of failures to talk about, here I am. <laughs> it's both of us. This is the thing. It's both of us. And I just feel like it's something that, for me at least, we can talk about about you but for me at least it's been like 
the one thing I don't feel like I've ever really properly admitted to anyone, like all of them at once. Mm. And I feel like I downplayed them so much or just pretended that I didn't go for stuff because I was scared of what people think that I didn't get in or whatever. I think we should get you to introduce what you're doing at the moment, like where you are in your musical career. And after Cheatham's, off you go. So, um, yeah, so I I left Cheatham's and then I I went and did the joint course uh, in Manchester at the Royal Northern College of Music and the University of Manchester simultaneously, um, which was three years. And then my fourth year was just at the Royal Northern College of Music. And I'm graduating from that fourth year this time very soon. So Jasmine's very clever and she already has a degree. But my goodness, mm. so you've had to you've had to juggle two degrees at the same time, which I've always just been like, what on earth are you doing? But you're you've just been so amazing at, at managing oh, it. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, I, I think while while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny because I feel like I'm getting all this praise for stuff that I've done. And it is funny, and I'm, I'm going to chat about it now because, of it now, well, when else is there a good time? But I think it's such a massive thing to do two degrees at one time that actually, in order to say, no, this is really stressful, I'm, I'm actually having a really hard time, is also a really hard thing. Yeah. Um, and so everyone sort of goes, wow, you managed it while I was just doing one and stuff. I'm saying, well... Did I manage it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I barely, I sort of got myself through it, but man, it was a hard time. People would just say, you're inspiring. You did that. Oh, wow. But actually, <laughs> where's the space for you then to say, um, excuse me, it was actually terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and you feel like, because so many people are like, wow, you've, you've done so, so much. Like, you've done so well. It's like, you feel like you let them down if you go, actually, no, I, I really struggled my way through it. And the thing is, they still talk like ask me to come to their open days and tell everyone how wonderful this course is and I'm there going it's such a hard time but yeah you should totally come the joint course is a bit of a health hazard it's like I think like it was wonderful yeah so maybe we should start then if you want to go first we decided we're going to admit our four biggest ever failures as a musician and general human being because we so often keep them hidden and downplayed or don't want to talk about it or like part of the past that just don't want to go there yeah it's just nice to feel like they're out in the open you know there's no shame around them now I don't want there to be any shame like for my failures I don't know about you but I just feel like I've had a lot of shame and I don't like that yeah I think that's the thing even like before this chat and I'm just chatting to you and and like we've been friends for years and even so I was thinking oh my goodness this is a really scary thing to have to admit so many failures in such a short space of time (laughs) I know I was thinking that I was talking to my parents just before and I was like so I'm I'm gonna like talk about my four biggest failures and my mum was like oh remember that one in that church like (laughs) when you played really badly and I was like that wasn't even one of them (laughs) now I have five <laughs> and I was like, she was like, yeah, that was such a terrible time for you, wasn't it? It was really traumatic. I was like, yes, and I've clearly like just erased that from my memory because it was so traumatic that I didn't even write it down. So anyway, do you want to go first and give us your top four? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do have four that I wrote down. I don't think they're ranked necessarily. However, mm. I think the biggest one that that came to mind straight away when you asked me about talk about your failures was at the age of the grand old age of 17 or however old I was and I didn't get in I'd applied for 
lots of conservatoires and lots of universities because I didn't know which one I was going to do. Um, and essentially, I didn't get in. I went for Oxford. I really fell in love with the place, but I didn't actually get offered a place. And I also didn't get offered a place in basically everywhere that I auditioned for conservatoire wise, apart from the RNCM, which obviously I'm now at. That was, the, I think that is the biggest one because it was mm. like you, everyone else around you, especially at a specialist music school, is getting places here, there and everywhere. They're getting scholarships. They're going off and they're doing amazing things. And I was there like, I have literally not got in anywhere. This is terrible. So that it was the biggest one, I think. Mm. And then when I was thinking about other ones that really affected me at the time. So I am a pianist, but um, I also <laughs> play, inverted commas, play the violin. You do. To some degree. It's very good. <laughs> Jasmine's a very good violinist. Oh, not anymore. I haven't practiced it in years. But Anyway, continue with your failure. <laughs> I will. Um I used to I used to love playing uh, with other people on the violin. I think that was the main thing. And it's probably why I love chamber music now. I used to play in um, National Children's Orchestra um, on the violin. And then I applied for National Youth Orchestra. It was like a kind of this natural progression. And loads of people got in. And I never got offered a place in NYO. And it really affected me, actually. Um, because I worked so hard for it. And I think that was the other thing, was playing the violin was... Uh, admittedly one of the first failures that I wrote down because I used to apply for so much stuff on the violin Mm. and just not get it and I used to Mm. wonder and I'd be like am I just really bad and I think actually no maybe maybe it was a sign that my calling was not was not the violin Um, but that was that was another one yeah and then I had (laughs) I did have another one they're all they're all links I think which I mean, you mentioned I did a bit of conducting, but I do see conducting as a bit of a failure. Because I, like, I think I go through these little fads where I'm like, I think this would be a great idea to do. And I go all at it and I throw everything at it. And then when it doesn't kind of work, it is, it's just a kind of a bit of a letdown. And I think I spent, basically, I spent three years at Manchester University. Well, sort of two proper years being a student conductor there. And I tried so hard and I tried so hard to love it as well. And I, it just wasn't bringing me joy. And I think that that was a bit of a failure because I had such high hopes for it as well. And I was thinking I could I could potentially be really good at this. And then I think it's admitting that actually, no, you're, you're not as good as you think you are. And also you don't love it enough. You don't love it enough. To continue. Mm-hmm. So that was another failure. That's really interesting you said that because... To everyone watching you, it looks so well. I I think it looks so natural, and like it was like yes, go Jasmine! Oh my goodness, oh. this amazing woman in front of this incredible orchestra, like just going for it. I was just so proud. Like every time I watched you conduct, it's just like yes. But the thing is, like it felt like a failure to you because it wasn't what you're meant to do, and like that's fine. And you shouldn't feel pressure from people saying, yeah, you're great at it or, oh, you look so good or whatever to make, you know, that doesn't make it any more of a success if it doesn't feel like it's really the thing you want to do. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I think it's when you feel like people have been really trying to help you and and really trying to push you into it, um, saying, oh, you've, you, you'll be really great at this. Like, I can see it. And I've actually having to come back to them and say, no, I, it doesn't feel right. It, it's not natural. I actually find standing up in front of a group of people and telling them how to play their instruments really hard um, 
it's because it's difficult isn't it it's a really difficult one to balance actually your own interpretation but telling other people how to create that is a really weird one when you've got musicians sat in front of you that are like are you telling me how to play my instrument and then I had um Hattie Hello, I'm here, I'm here. Oh, you're here, you're here. I am, I'm just listening um, intently. You're just giving me space to speak, it's lovely. I am, um, yeah. So yeah. It makes a change, doesn't it? Stop. Um, I had another one, which I think it, it's, it's funny now that I look back on it, but at the time, and I'm sure you remember this, was when <laughs> I had my assessment at Cheatham's, and already I think she, like Chance was a massive leap from where I was before I was mm. I was at a normal like state school there was hardly any music going on and I went I suddenly arrived at this music school and everyone was just insane and yeah. um and it was really scary um and I <laughs> I had that assessment and I played a Bach fantasy and fugue and it went horribly and I just couldn't remember anything that I was supposed to play. Like when you forget even how to play your instrument, I had to ask for the music. It was just an absolute shambles. And I remember coming out just thinking that that was horrendous. And the lady that was doing the assessment was also doing a masterclass later that evening. Um, I won't name names. And <laughs> she basically, because she was sat on my panel had just been like staring at me with this look of like, I can't believe how badly you've just played that. She did this masterclass later in the evening and this girl forgot what she was playing. She like lost her memory, tried to carry on um, and managed to get to the end. And she said, this lady just was like, you know, I'm really appreciative that you managed to get to the end. You really tried. And she stared directly at me as she said it. And I just remember thinking, <gasps> oh my goodness, I've just, I've absolutely failed this. I've just like, I have ruined like her opinion of me. I've ruined my assessment. I've ruined this piece of music. I just, it went awfully. At the time it was just horrendous. Now I look back on it, I think, yeah, that's actually really amusing. But at the time... No, it was, it was awful. I remember you coming out of that at the time and like you were very good in Cheetahs at most of the time you were very good at just sort of laughing things off and being like well that was absolutely yeah. horrendous <laughs> that was absolutely <laughs> terrible and we both were just so angry about the whole situation but oh my goodness like I think a lot of people will relate to a similar like performance experience and it does yeah. feel like your whole world just shatters before you and it's like there's yeah. absolutely no point in carrying on and I mean, I, w I do want to talk more to you about like how you managed the failures then, how you dealt with it and everything. Maybe yeah. I should go ahead and say my failures. Yes. Please. And you can, you can comment. You can, you can say what you think. So I think maybe <laughs> then, uh, courtesy of my mother, I'm going to start with when I was, I, you probably don't even know this, Jasmine. When I was, uh, how old was I? I'm going to need my mother to come and help me. But I think I was probably, I'm going to go with 13 to 14 and I'd been playing the cello properly properly about two years um so I started when I was like eight for about a year or two and then I gave it up for a few years and decided I was going to be a horse rider and then when the horse riding and gymnastics didn't work out I came back <laughs> gave it another go and sorry anyway I'm going on a tangent but when I was about 13 I yeah played in this church in in Hereford where I'm from and mm -hmm. my dad accompanied me on the piano and I played a grade four piece which is called Shepherd's Hay 
And I just, I don't know, it was probably the first time I'd properly performed and I just couldn't play it. Something happened and I just could not play it. And it was at the time where like, I was so in love with music and I so wanted it to be the thing I did that it was like so exciting that I'd had this opportunity. But I just remember afterwards, my mum looking at me like, is this really what you want to put yourself through? Like, you know, because everyone, my whole family knew that I could play it so much better, but I got to the church and like, just couldn't get through it. I just couldn't get through it. And everyone in the congregation would just sort of say, oh, um, well, it's a good opportunity, isn't it? And everyone had this face of like, that was painful. And I just remember being like, I don't want to be a cellist. This is terrible. I think like, that's the thing. Everyone, well, I mean, a lot, everyone that's pretty mortal and normal has an experience (laughs) like that when they're younger and it doesn't go quite right. And it's the pitying look. You just wish people wouldn't do it. I mean, it's a natural reaction, isn't it? But. It's, it's the word, it breaks you. Much. It breaks you in half. Because yeah. all you want is for someone to say... I think it's the thing of, like, you want someone to say, you're fine, however you play. But people know how much it means to you, so they give you that look of, like, I know you're not fine with how you played. <laughs> anyway, so the second one is it's literally... I'm like Jasmine. I, we, are, we are similar. So I was rejected from the National Youth Orchestra. Um, but for some reason... I just didn't really admit it to anyone. <laughs> you probably remember this. I know yeah. it was it was in my first term at Cheatham's and I I'd literally told everyone I was going for it. My teacher um before Cheatham's had been like, You're definitely gonna get in. I was like, I'm definitely gonna get in. Um so yeah, so I played I sorry, I did my audition, I didn't get in. I did get on the reserve list, but for some reason that didn't matter to me at the time. The reserve list was just, like, for losers, in my opinion. Um, So, yes, I literally had probably the biggest musical breakdown of my life after that, and I hid it from most people. cried a lot in the loo. I even remember the the day I found out, I went into a practice room. Ah, This is so funny. I just started playing 4A Elegy, like, so melancholically to myself, just being like, oh, I won't let this phase me, I failed. (laughs) Like, 4A Elegy (laughs) going on in the background, just just me crying my eyes out playing the cello. It was was quite funny. That was terrible. And then... I decided I wasn't going to re-audition for it in Upper Sick. I was too traumatised by my failure. Uh, Then we get to uh, music college auditions. And once again, I had this like real cocky confidence um, going into it. And I was like, I'm going to get a clean sweep of conservatoires. Um, So I went for all the conservatoires. Fine. I got a few places. Well, I got places kind of where I wanted to. And I just assumed I would get in quite frankly, but I didn't get into the Royal Academy of Music. I didn't get on the reserve list, didn't get absolutely anything. I just got a salty letter saying, you didn't get in. I remember, and I, I tore it up and threw it in the bin, <laughs> but I kind of wish I'd have framed it now. So I didn't get into the Royal Academy of Music, and this is the one I am ashamed to say, I very rarely admit to someone. If they ask me, why didn't you go to Academy? I tend to just say, oh, you know... Just didn't want to. This, <laughs> didn't oh, really yeah. find a teacher I wanted, or like, you know. But actually, no, I didn't get in. I totally, I totally understand this. I do mm. this. So many people are like, yeah, because I, I got into all the London ones, but I decided to come to Manchester instead. And I'm there, like, I didn't even have the option. And it's so, it feels so shameful to admit mm. that you didn't get in. 
that you're like yeah yeah I agree yeah obviously um I just decided because of like these various reasons that I chose to come to Manchester instead and it's like no like why why is it shameful because people improve and become so much better over the course of their um four years at conservatoire wherever you're at that Mm -hmm. actually um what what difference does it make and even now like I'm four years on like we're four years on and it still feels like a really big thing to admit um I don't know maybe it's 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 the institution I don't know but yeah I, I totally get you on that one for me it felt like just yeah the end of the world because I wanted to prove that I could get in everywhere and I had all these choices and I had all this kind of like all these incredible places but I will go on to the, the last failure number four is that I got this was in January I got 62 in my concerto exam and this is a this is this is a hard one because for some people, I understand 62 is a very good mark. And even like for me now, I'm like, do you know what? It's fine. It's a 2-1. It's fine. It's a good mark, whatever. But it's the thing, isn't it, of like putting everything into it, comparing it to your old marks, comparing it to your friends. Compare. And I wanted to just like come on here and be like, marks have been the most creatively devastating thing in my musical life. Some of the marks I've got have just been the number one thing that have made me want to give up. And I think that is so sad because it's a it's a number. It's a bloody number. Like, it's absolutely nothing other than that. And, you know, even the comments are way more important than the number. But then, you know, for me at the time, it felt like such a massive failure. Back in January, I played the Walton Cello Concerto. I thought it went fine. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I played it all through. <laughs> I, I had an absolute blast. I loved the piece, the bits, like play it through, whatever. I was so proud of myself for doing it. I wasn't expecting amazing Mark, but like, I don't know. It just, it felt like a really big failure. Don't know why. Mark's is a big thing. Mm. Mark's are horrible. I think even when I like look back on my conducting failure, I think that probably was the thing that just finished me off. Um, It wasn't even that bad a Mark, but when, I think when people around you are getting really good Marks, you just, it's a natural reaction to compare yourself. And to question why, like, am I just that much worse? Am I, did they not like me? What was it that, yeah. that, that was the mark that I got? Yeah, I kind of I want to go back to your um, conservatoire rejections. That I don't know about you, but it looks to me like that. And Oxford must have been just so mm. horrible to go through at, at a music school anyway, where it just feels like one success after another. And I just wondered, like, what did it feel like at the time? And, like, how did you deal with it? Because, of course, you talked to me about it. And it's probably the first time I saw you cry. I don't know if you mind me saying, but I, it was the first time I saw you, like, properly cry. <laughs> and, I like, how did it feel? Like, how did you deal with it? Because I think, I don't know, just, just how... Well, it was one of the most devastating moments, I think, of my life. Because you're at this crossroads. You You come to the end of school and it's like this is a really big decision where I'm going to go. Like everyone else around me had all these options and they had scholarships to places and they were just amazing. They were getting into everywhere. And even people that weren't going on to do music were so set at like, I'm going to go to this university and I'm going to do liberal arts. I'm going to do English. And they were so um, like ready. and, and, um, And I think surrounding yourself with people like that who 
it feels at the time like everyone else is succeeding and you have just completely failed and to have to go in and admit to people that you didn't get in anywhere is such a tough thing and I think Mm. I'd really really set my hopes after that because I'd received that news in probably like November December um and I was waiting on to hear back from Oxford um in basically like January time I think and I, I remember because, well, we all remember this. I'd been, I'd been through like a, a pretty grim breakup before I went to Oxford and then got there and was like, this is amazing. I was there for like a few days and just was like, it was just such a like breath of fresh air. I met so many amazing people and I was like, this is the place I want to be. Mm-hmm. I, I know like it feels so right to be here. Um, to get the letter of rejection then was just like such a blow. I remember because I was at home at the time, it was Christmas holiday and my mum just like came and I was like, I didn't get in. She was just like, okay, I'm making you a cup of tea and you're having a piece of cake. Like, are you okay? Because she knew what a big deal it meant for me. Like, and also I think the fact that um, like there was such a big pressure from my family and, and they didn't mean it at all. They really wanted me to do well, but there was such, and there still is this real stigma about Oxford or Cambridge, I think. Mm. um about whether like if you've been there then like you've done well you like literally you you have succeeded you don't need to like you don't even need to work for the rest of your life because you went to Oxford um that's what it feels like and actually it's really interesting because I have chatted to so many people that either got pulled at Cambridge or didn't actually get in who still it really affects them it's a really Mm. big thing and I think if you haven't experienced rejection quite on that scale before, that's the first big time. If you don't get offered a place yeah. somewhere, that's the first time you are properly rejected from a place. And I remember because I went, I ended up um, obviously on the joint course, which was still a really great thing. I was so pleased to get onto that because um, I didn't really have a backup plan if I didn't get onto that. So I, I remember ending up in Manchester, but for the whole of my first year, pretty much, I had this proper like imposter syndrome. I was like, mm. I shouldn't be here. Like I'm not good enough. I wasn't mm. good enough to get into these places. So why should I be good enough to be here? Um, it's a really big thing, I think. Because you forget that actually 17, 18 is, you're still really young. I mean, I'm still young now, obviously, but um, yeah, that that was that in exactly. a vague nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I probably, I don't know if you want, background but for like for someone looking at you applying for conservatoires it was just such a shock for everyone else as well that you didn't because I mean you just got like you got a second round for BBC Young Musician and you got Mm -hmm. you know amazing awards for your playing and you know you're such a great performer and accompanist and people you know flock to see you play like so much of the time I don't know like it's just my mum especially she's your number one fan she thinks that you play so well like we all do you just have such an incredible way of speaking with your instrument and I suppose the hardest thing is like to watch someone you know is just so talented then have like the most devastating rejection and you know it's impossible for them to believe that it's impossible for them to believe that the truth the truth about their playing you know what I mean Mm, yeah like because because I mean you feel like you need people you need accolades in the outside world to tell you that you're doing okay you can't just rely 
it feels like that anyway. You, it feels like you can't rely on what other people say or what your friends say or whatever. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult when obviously people it feels it does feel like people are really rooting for you. Um, but that's I think that's one of the things is is um, having that self confidence and self belief that you you're like okay they they didn't accept me, but I know I'm great and and I mm. think I play really honestly and and mm. I I think I'm going to improve somewhere and and I really believe that I can make it. I still believe like school age is so hard and especially if you're in a um, music school where people around you are so fantastic and you're surrounded by so much amazing music to kind of go actually no I have got something to say and I really believe in what in my playing and I I really believe that I have a chance Mm. and and a chance to make a really good career out of it and I have creative ideas at that time like I it's a struggle to even say like get up in the morning and go you know what I I do have something worth saying um so then to be rejected by lots of places and it's funny because actually a lot of the the comments that I did receive from my auditions because I asked for feedback was we just don't think you're confident enough and I was just like which Mm. was an even bigger blow because I was like it's not even something like you need to practice some technique that I can like write stuff down and like I'm like I know how to improve that I'm like how on earth do I improve this massive like wedge of what feels like my personality um that's the thing it's almost like they were saying this is a this isn't anything wrong with your playing this is a part of you that you know needs developing or something It's, it's sort of patronizing isn't it that's that's such a hard thing to hear. Yeah, I I struggled with hearing it. I think because it was such a blatant truth um, that I was like, oh my goodness, how do I improve this? How on earth? Especially when you're like you're moving on and you're you're changing places, you're going into a first year of somewhere else. Um, and I, that's why I think my first year was really hard because, like, I was so aware that I I was sort of playing in a box. And I was like, I have, I have so many ideas and like, it's like a sound that I want to create. And it just feels like I'm really struggling to actually put that across. Mm. And it's really interesting because I think in my third year, something clicked. And I don't know whether it was like the stress of doing like my final year at university, along with the RNCM. But something clicked and I remember just being like, I don't care anymore. I don't care what these people are going to think of me. I'm going to play what I'm going to play. I've got bigger things to think about. I've got my final exams coming up. Mm. I don't care. And I remember playing um, and my teacher came up to me. I was doing my technical exam um, and I played for the third year technical exam. I had to play a movement of a concerto and I did the John Ireland piano concerto and it was a piece that I just... I'm still am obsessed with I think it's a great piece and I played it and I just completely gave it my all because I was like I love this piece I want them to love this piece and I think I play it really well and I played it and it went pretty well I have to say and then my teacher came up and he said I've been speaking to the head of piano and he was so impressed with how you played he said you've really come on and I remember thinking oh my gosh it makes so much sense like I don't care anymore I don't care what they think I don't care what mark I get. I just want to play this piece as best as I can play. Um, 
so it's taken years to kind of come through and be like ah yeah that's what they meant when they said I didn't have enough confidence to come I remember going to Manchester to hear you play that piece the John Island and it was just the most fun like as quite a lot of times I watch people play and I just feel like I'm on the edge of my seat because I'm so scared they're going to either mess up or like I don't know there's just this energy coming from them that's very tense and with you it was like it was just as if it was it's hard to put into words it was sort of just like what you were always meant to do like I it was as if I was watching someone make a pot like make a clay pot (laughs) or like I don't know anything like that it just felt like that it was so natural and so right and I just was you just yeah like it was just it was so natural and like real and as if you should just something you've always done it, you know I didn't feel at all scared I didn't feel like you're putting on a show you like drew people in with your sound and it was the time I was just like yes Jasmine oh my goodness Jasmine this is so you this is so right <laughs> I want you to play this piece to everyone in the world because it's just so amazing yeah maybe that's the thing maybe maybe it's the piece that changed me yeah my attitude it's funny though because I had like a sim I feel maybe you remember this at a similar mm. time in my oh in some of the time in my third year I kind of had the same feeling of like I don't care anymore Mm. like I I mean I had a few months of just realizing why am I doing this I don't want to suffer every time I perform I don't want this fear of failing this fear of like this fear anymore basically and I yeah it felt like I just I was now excited to take a risk rather than being afraid Mm. to fail it was like I'm so excited that I can actually play a box like a wooden box with strings on it I remember thinking this I was like it's a wooden box with strings on it that I can play and not many people in the world can play it and I'm acting as if that is such a terrifying thing to be able to do whereas actually that is something I should be so excited to do because I'd realised as well that all of my failures had been such a good thing, I was actually more excited to fail. Like, I was more excited to fail than succeed because my successes had been, like, fine. But my failures had been just so much more important to me that I was now... It felt like I was excited to go and fail. It was almost like I was saying to myself, fine, if you fail, at least that means that you will have another thing to another experience to draw from another thing to laugh about even you know what I mean like yeah I think it's funny because I've I've always watched you play and listened to you play and thought wow like you've got such a personality when you play and I think that's so inspiring and you've always had like these strong opinions and not been afraid to say them <laughs> that I've just I love it I think it's so important like so many people including myself just shy away from actually saying here I am I'm playing my instrument for you and if you don't like it then stuff you like I'm gonna play it anyway um and I just I love that I think I think you do it so well and I think Thank the you. fact that you've come to this point yeah just it really feels like a success in in my eyes anyway yeah I mean I kind of wanted us now to talk about our 
biggest successes mm-hmm. but it's really funny because I've I had a list of failures I was like yep yeah, that one that one that one that one and mm-hmm. then success is her it's just such a wishy-wash like spiritual awakening kind of <laughs> like paragraph that I've written yeah because it's like I don't know what did I write so yeah it's sort of like projects I create I just see as so much more successful it's never a mark anymore for me it's never like getting into an orchestra because there have been orchestras that I've got into that I haven't not enjoyed but you know there have been projects that have been terrible and like yes okay it's great that I got in but for me at least playing with my piano trio or doing a charity concert that I did like that for me is the biggest success that I've ever had like I just loved it I loved the fact that I did something with all my friends to uh for a cause and then I actually wrote my biggest success in the last few years <laughs> which is really funny because it just made me laugh I've been re- like a re- I've got a reserve place in European Union Youth Orchestra for two years running mm. and mm. it's so funny because that is basically the same as what I got for NYO but even though, you know, I technically failed, I didn't get into the European Union Youth Orchestra, I don't play with them. I can't admit that I'm on their, in their cello section. I don't write that on any CV. But for some reason, it's just such a much better result than I ever expected of myself because I took that risk and I did the audition without any expectation that that is just such a success that, like, mm. I got halfway there. Like, I love that. I just love that. I got halfway there. That's great. Like, mm. cool. That's success for me at the moment. I don't know. But what about you? Yeah. Yeah, well, I totally agree. I think when I think about success, it's so easy to list down all your failures. And mm. and um, I think for success, actually, the, the biggest successes have been things that actually I didn't expect to get or um, was a mm. surprise or like. So I think actually one of my biggest successes was finding out that I love playing chamber music. I just mm. I love it. Um, and because that success has opened a door to so many things that I wouldn't have ever done um, it's like long lasting things I think just being able to if you just sort of win a trophy for something yeah great like you've got that trophy on your mantelpiece but like what what does it lead to kind of thing Um, so for me like I think success has been I'd agree like the the same kind of spiritual awakening things this lockdown I have to say um has made me really think and really be creative in the way that I think about music Mm. and it's put like a massive emphasis on actually um what is the future of classical music it's a really big thing like do we are we relevant do we have a relevance Mm. today and actually like I've I've been lucky enough to be in a in a house full of people that are willing to hear my creative ideas but actually, I think that is a really big success that I've come through. And I've, I started off as, as someone that did play almost in a box and was afraid mm. to speak out and afraid to actually voice my opinions in case it kind of hurt someone's feelings, heaven forbid. Um, that I sort of, I feel like I've, everyone has had this space and time to reflect and think about um, sort of going back to normal, inverted commas. Um, mm. But what what I've really enjoyed is actually being able to kind of explore these creative ideas, explore new ways of playing or explore new ways of, of presenting classical music, especially that to me is a success in, in which will be sort of revealed as whether that, that will be a success of classical music after lockdown is finished, I think. Exactly. Yeah. 
I really that was not... really really vague <laughs> no, no I, I honestly got that though I think you're saying like you don't like how we've been taught to be sort of a product of mm, our profession totally. and yeah. we have the chance I really believe through this podcast as well, this kind of the same feeling I had through lockdown was like, I don't want to be that person anymore that hides parts of me as a musician because I want to further my career. I don't want to hide these parts of me anymore because I think our society deserves to hear our opinions because we create beautiful music, yes, but like, how are we going to relate to people? How are we going to bring it Mm. further and show ourselves as being relevant if we're so afraid of sharing our opinion and making a change you know so Mm. I love that I love that's exactly how I've been feeling as well (laughs) and that would be the ultimate success wouldn't it like if 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 that is how yeah I don't think before lockdown I would have had the confidence to to admit my failures in this way (laughs) I don't know I don't honestly I have kept I can't believe how few people I've told I think that's so interesting. I don't know about you. So few people. This it's such a there's such a shame about it, isn't there? I think actually because when I think back and I think, oh, I I didn't get into Oxford, but actually, I've had a great time here, and I wouldn't have had that experience. I wouldn't be where I am today if had I not been rejected from these places. Isn't, and yeah, people exactly. say it at the time they're like you're you're gonna look back and think actually it was a, a great thing that they didn't let you in and I do now and I think yeah it's really cliche but actually they, failures do make their own successes as well because like music in itself is such a personal thing you you mm. play this instrument and you have people listen to everything like I think that's why it feels like when you get rejected from somewhere or somebody or I guess if you have like bad feedback from something or somebody doesn't like what you've done it feels so hurtful because you've put everything that you have into that piece of music or how you play that or exactly. I mean it's all part of you and and it's really hard to shift and say actually no I'm I'm playing this music and sort of take the ego out of it I guess but exactly. it's still part of what you've brought to that performance that must um, be it isn't it yeah because I think that really, is why it's so painful yeah it feels like an extension of you especially mm. if you've started playing very young or it's been the one thing you could do you know for me it felt like this is the one thing I can do and I can prove yeah. myself in and as soon as you mm. start getting rejections in the one thing you feel you can do Oh my goodness, mm. I missed off one of my failures that was like my biggest failure. Oh, oh. my goodness. Because I was just thinking of that. And I was like, oh my goodness, the time I didn't get into Cheatham's. I totally forgot. Oh so, man. Yeah, so I didn't get into Cheatham's um, when I was 14 in year nine. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was so distressing. Because I had read about it. I was so obsessed with going to boarding school as well. And I was just was like, this is going to be the place I want to be. I just want to be around musicians every day. I'm so sick of my school. I'm so sick of it. And I just love the cello. And, you know, my teacher at the time, I took her the application form. And she looked at me like, what are you doing? Why are you applying for this school? <laughs> like, what? There's no, there's no point. You're not going to get in. She had that real tone. And like, I know what she was trying to say and she didn't want to get hurt, but I was sort of, didn't really listen to that. And I just went for it. 
So for context, I was 14 and I was about grade five. Well, I had just done my grade five. So uh, by Cheatham standards, that really isn't very like, that's not really a stage that you'd enter at. Um, But I did my audition anyway, got this rejection and oh my goodness, I was just on the floor. I thought my world had ended and my mum went about finding me other options but at that point I didn't want another option for me it was Cheatham's or nothing so she was going about finding you know junior conservatoires and everything and I was just thinking I really don't want this in my head I was like I really really don't want this I I wanted to get into that school I didn't want anything else but you know what that has been the best failure I've ever had because I then went on to find (laughs) the, the leading light in my life in my cello life which was my teacher, Elaine Heinen in Birmingham, who just made me feel so differently about my playing. And I went to her just with absolutely no confidence. So I went to the Birmingham Conservatoire, Junior Conservatoire. And from the like from number one lesson, she just believed in me. She took me seriously. And I didn't have that before. And I needed that. I needed like, I didn't need to go straight into a boarding school stressful environment. I just needed one person to believe in me and help me like see that I have the power in my playing to get better and get good and I mean I got to grade eight in a year from grade five to grade eight in a year with her she was Mm. so just believed in everything and I remember my second lesson she said to me how are we going to make this piece better then like what do you think you could do to make this piece better and I was just so broken I looked at her and I was just like um we could get somebody else to play it (laughs) I'll make it better and she looked at me and she said I don't want to hear you say that ever again you know you have something to say with your music please don't ever say that and that's really stuck with me because it's like I was so just not confident as you say and that was Mm -hmm. such an important failure to see that there was there were other people waiting to be in my life that I, I needed that rejection to get there you know what I mean anyway that was just an aside I forgot about that I did I know I forgot about that (laughs) I think it's amazing that you literally got to grade eight in what like literally no time that is a success in itself that's true that's true and it felt like it by the world standards because I suppose everyone understands most people understand what a grade eight is don't they Mm, yeah people understand what that is and so I could tell my friends at school and they thought that was, <laughs> I remember my friend Meredith being like, well, that's it now then, isn't it? Like, aren't you done yeah. now? <laughs> I was like, Meredith, I hope, I wish that that were true. So I just want to finish with kind of one thing you wish you had known, or, I mean, I said, I asked this to my last guest as well, maybe slightly mm. rephrasing the same question. Um, you know, what do you wish you had known? What would you say to yourself you know getting rejections from colleges and things what would you say to Mm. yourself I mean I think I'd say that it's it's really hard at the time but actually it'll make you so much stronger in the long term you're you're going to appreciate it later on um and actually it's part of this journey like you were saying it totally is um part of your individual journey where you end up um like had I not been rejected from all these places I wouldn't be here um I might have ended up being a, a violinist and that was not meant to be 
um mm. as like I still enjoy playing it but it, it's not meant to be and, and piano obviously was for me the whole conducting failure it was always piano piano was such a constant mm. had I not actually had to take a long hard look at myself and say is this meant for you um were you meant to go to that institution were you meant to get into Oxford actually having to say no this is the path that I'm supposed to be on this is gonna yeah. help me out in the long run I was just saying it reminds me of um people might know on YouTube this girl called Ruby Granger mm-hmm. who she didn't get into Oxford and she was so in love she is just such an English student and she loves reading and everything has been about English from year one and she went for going she went for English at Oxford and got rejected and therefore mm-hmm. she immediately decided it must have been English that meant she failed and so then she Mm. turned and did a theology degree or started on a theology degree only then Mm. one year in to realize she was so unhappy and then switched Mm. to English at Exeter but I'm just wondering if it was something like that with your conducting was it that like you you hadn't done what you wanted with piano so you thought well it must be the piano maybe conducting is what I should be doing maybe that was what I succeeded yeah I think that was it was like a oh my goodness, like, I I feel like I failed on the piano, but I think I'd be great at conducting. And I remember, um, it's really funny because it sticks with me, that um, one of my conducting teachers at the university said, he was like, you're really musical, and I can tell that you're really musical by the way that you conduct. But then it, it, it dawned on me after I was like, this isn't for me. But then I thought, actually, no, like, I am musical, but I can't use it in the same way with conducting as much as it's hard work um learning an instrument or learning a craft of any sort um it has to feel joyful and it has to feel natural to some extent and that's why it's funny because I I started the piano was piano was my first instrument and it just so happens that I mean it's it's stuck stuck with me through thick and thin um that it it feels natural to play um yeah. yeah I, I feel the same because there have been, especially in the last year, many, many times where I felt just I don't fit in this profession. I don't fit with my cello playing. I want to do something else, mm. blah, blah, blah. And I think the thing I've learned about that and my therapist actually helped me realise this. Um, so I was talking to her about the things I do to manage my anxiety or whatever. or When I'm feeling really awful, she said, you know, what, what can you do? And I said, you know what, nine times out of 10, when I play my cello, I feel better. Mm. And she just paused and looked at me and she was like, do you like, do you hear what you just said? I was like, what? She was like, nine of the nine out of the 10 times that you pick up your cello and you're feeling anxious, you end up feeling better. Does that not say a lot about how the cello is in your life, where it is? And I was like, yeah, like, in yeah. the absolute pits of despair or whatever, nine times out of mm. 10, I know I can go to it and I will feel better in some way. And it's so easy to let go of that and be like, no, I hope there's something else for me or it's not fulfilling me, whatever. But actually, you know, when things are terrible is when you probably realise, yeah. Well, exactly. And there's, there's, like, there's always a reason that you were drawn to the instrument in the first place. And it's so easy for that to get lost among criticism and negative feedback and rejection of of any sort that actually there was a reason that you picked it up 
from the very beginning because you just love playing it. And I think a lot of people miss that in in their lives, even sort of professional musicians that have been going for years. There is so much joy in music and, and I, I, it sounds so cringy, but I just want everyone to kind of hear that because I'm such mm. a believer that it has so much power for so many people. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But. No, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And especially at a time like this, um, we have to be honest about that, I think. Mm, yeah. You know, everything does feel very insecure. People are saying, oh, are we relevant? All of this. Well, if we break it down to the actual music and what mm. it can show people and what, how it can relate to people, yes, we are relevant, but we have to change. We have to change the yeah. way that we educate people. Music is not about these successes. Music is about being you right now mm-hmm. and how your playing relates to somebody else. You know, yeah. It, it's the focus shouldn't be about what colleges you get into, what marks you get, but that is all you talk about. Maybe it's in a, in a maturity thing as well. You know, of course, that's what kids mm. think is important. But actually, the teaching was still emphasizing success. It wasn't always emphasizing. That what you have to offer right now as a musician I completely completely agree with you mm. um I I really think it's 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 a thing isn't it when you play and it just takes one person I I played one of the most horrendous concerts I've ever done and it was supposed to be sorry I'm just gone on a tangent here but um in this uh informal setting it was it was called in somewhere in Chester and I played and the informal setting basically meant that I was playing in a cafe um, and people, kids were screaming and running around, people mm. were clinking cups. It was so distracting and, and it wasn't anyone's fault of why it happened. And they just wanted some nice music. And I prepared this quite dramatic program. Um, and I just kept, got there and was like, I have just like, I didn't realize what this was going to be. Mm. Um, I've prepared the wrong music. This is just going to go horribly and I played it and people would come and stand over my shoulder when I was playing. It was so distracting. Um, and like kids were running around the piano. People Like it was just really stressful. And I got to the end and I, I just, it was not the best I've ever played. And one, it took one person to come up to me at the end and said, that was really, really moving. I feel really touched by your performance. Aww. And I was just like, you know what, this, it was all worthwhile that's all I needed you know it can connect with people that in ways in which words or um just other forms can't Uh, that's why it it does have a power really to touch touch people and connect with people in a really human way I think yeah but we we have to be honest and relate to people not just through the music you know but also Mm. I think we draw people in by saying this is who we are this is the mistakes we've made this Mm. is the way we want classical music to change thank you so much for your uh, your failures <laughs> <laughs> no worries thanks for having me <laughs> um I feel like I probably missed off a lot of information about you at the beginning but I will add it <laughs> thank you so much Jasmine for That's okay. coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing wisdom with everybody any final thoughts Jasmine any final thoughts yeah um how how, <laughs> how great is music i don't know yeah <laughs> that was horrendous you sound like an old lady listening to songs of praise anyway oh, thank you so much it's been lovely it has thank you so much for being on the podcast